Good morning, sports fans. Fill up that coffee cup and that bowl. Sit back and relax. Because live from Colorado, it's time for the Sports Offensive. Good morning out there, sports fans. Thanks for tuning in to the next episode of the Sports Offensive. My name is Mark Demas, and we are coming to you live from the North Broomfield Studios, I guess we call it. Hopefully I won't be my studio area for much longer, but uh, sticking with it for now. Got uh, Nate Dog from South Dakota sitting across from me. How was the trip up? Oh, man, uh, real smooth today. There, We got a little bit of weather last night, uh, if you have... Uh, you know, been living under a rock and, uh, you know, that it went from 82 to 32 here in one day. And then it's been kind of cold and wet since then, uh, which was what Thursday, Mark, that it snowed. Yeah. No, that was Wednesday, Wednesday, the Wednesday right. was the, uh, the second bomb Wednesday, cyclone of, yes. the, of the year. Yeah. An underwhelming bomb cyclone or boom Genesis. What is it? What do they call it? I can't, they, a bomb cyclone. It is bomb cyclone. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and again, everyone out there listening, I do hope that you can hear us well. We've been having some audio problems, and I'm not have not been able to ascertain what they are. And unfortunately, a big part of the problem is to figure out the issue. It has to be on a live show, and uh, that makes it kind of difficult because we can only do so many uh, live shows through our uh, provider. So, um, and what are you showing me? Yeah. Okay, you already read that. Well, yeah, I had to post a show. That's why we have one. <laughs> So, um, anyway, it's been a pretty big week overall in uh, in life and in sports. Obviously, we had the big snowstorm in what's supposed to be spring, even though I think it's supposed to be back in the 70s in a few days. Mm-hmm. Um, God knows it'll be in those horrible 95s before you know it. But at least it's good weather for softball and for golf, just not good weather for comfort. Uh, we also had the release of the Star Wars trailer, which was a big whoop to do for a lot of us sci-fi fans uh very good trailer looks much much better than the disaster film that rian did feel free to tune in a little bit later on as mark and i uh kind of review the trailer a little bit talk about some other uh upcoming events and uh do our show the alien offensive yeah we'll hope to have that posted uh by early afternoon can't do two live shows in one day on the provider here so one of them will be an uploaded show but uh, we are definitely going to review the trailer and and you know speculate a little bit on what we think is coming up uh, with the movie based on what we saw. Uh, also this week we had the championship in the NCAA, and I could not be happier that I actually won a futures bet. wasn't a ton of money, but at least hey, any any win is a win uh, when it comes to gambling. Ooh, and uh, very fun to see a, a hundred and something bucks thrown into the old account just for blindly picking a couple of teams <laughs> before the thing started. Well. So. That what a good. what a story for Virginia. I mean, to go from being the first number one seed ever ousted in the first round by a 16 to turning around and winning the tournament the following year. It, that's, it's shocking, it's isn't it? It's unprecedented, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Who would have ever thought that you could have a team get knocked out, a number one seed? Now, I, I guess I would say that's not as big a deal as it would have been even five, ten years ago. I think the whole yeah. um, 
when the NBA said that the greatest high school athletes could no longer jump straight to the NBA, it put a lot more talent into college. Yeah. But it also, because of the one and dones, you don't get a lot of dynasties, and it gives those teams that do keep their squad together for a few years. They oh, may not be, yeah, may not yeah. be as good of players, but the sum is greater than the parts. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Um, you know, that's why you saw teams, I think, like Texas Tech, you know, doing well because they've had, you know, some kids there that have been together for a little while. Or, And know. I think you'd have to agree that over the last 10 years, we've seen many more lower-ranked teams get further than we ever did before. You think that's accurate? Oh, absolutely. The parody is bar none as good as it's ever been. And that's great. Basketball. And I think that's great for their sport. Yeah. Um, it's also not as great for the players because uh, the players argument of wanting to be compensated, you know, for all the money that the schools make off of them. And the most annoying side effect of which has been that we have lost uh, video games for college sports, mm-hmm. which was, those were really fun because a lot of times they were tied into the professional level game, right? So you could have a team and play them in your college game and then save that year, all those players and import them into like your Madden or your, um, well, NBA is a little bit different because the EA never made a good professionals and basketball game. But the idea is the same. You could actually transport those players that you knew that you had played with into the new, uh, into the new one. Of course, the transition was never perfect, right? Because sometimes you'd have a guy who was a 99 across the boards in college, and then he comes right. in and he's a 73. And I, granted, they should never come in as a, as a superstar. Right. But it's like, well, hey, wait a minute. You know, a, a, a Randy Moss receiver, you know, this guy who's off the charts in talent uh, shouldn't come then suddenly be, you know, dropped down to a 50, you know, coming into the pros when he yeah. when he dominated that in real never, life. Yeah. That so. never made sense to me. But uh, let's see what else has gone on this week, just as a prelude to what we're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to see if uh, we can get JP on the line here and have JP oh, review for of... us uh, the NBA and especially the NHL playoffs. The NHL playoffs have been uh, at least a little stat- shocking so yes. far. A lot of uh, big-time favorites losing, uh, a lot of teams losing at home. And uh, I, I, from what I read, the oh, the best Vegas odds – team in the entire thing lost their first game and i think tampa it was, right? um i believe so yeah and then i think the colorado our hometown team here which plays tonight at the exact same time as the nuggets first playoff game who did not fix that i don't understand but anyway uh as far as i know the uh, avalanche uh made a very impressive comeback to at least push the game you know, into overtime, and uh, and then they lost it there. So uh, I think we have JP on the line. JP, can you hear us? Uh, yes, I can. How are you guys doing this morning? Oh, that does sound real tinny, doesn't it? Okay, I hope. Oh, JP, were you, able, were you able to log on and listen to the show and see if it can be heard? Uh, you know, I have not done that. Hold on a second here. Yeah, if you could um, please. I just got by. I had to switch my internet over. Uh, my jetpack went dead last night because I didn't plug it in. Uh, let me get to another page. Uh, yeah, we have some great stories in, in, to talk about today. I mean, I mean, we are full-fledged uh, going on with the NBA, NHL, the Masters. We have a log jam at the top of the leaderboard. I mean, we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, we just want to make sure that the sound is actually coming through. Last uh, 
show that we did with our fantasy review. Uh, thank God I had it recorded on the handheld, which I'm doing again now. Uh, but for some reason, the sound did not come through on Blog Talk. I tried to read it everything at work, but you, you're coming through sounding a little hollow, and that was what we noticed okay. with the stuff on the Blog Talk before when our show wasn't broadcasting. So sorry for everyone listening at home. If you are listening and you can hear us, we just like to make sure that uh, our show is actually going through. The handheld does work, but the audio quality is never going to be as nice as coming through our mixer. So um, anyway, we will uh, just hope on that. But uh, I guess we should jump in first. Why We should talk about the Masters first, because first of all, uh, Tiger is in it. Tiger yep. is in it. He's yep. a major, and he's in it. Yes, he is. And, Nate, you were detailing kind of where he could have been. I mean, he's one shot back right now. Well, yeah, for those of you that were actually watching yesterday, you saw the last couple holes. And uh, Tiger really, on 17, had an opportunity. I think he put it at, what, about six feet, JP, on the approach? Yeah, yeah, he uh, he put it right there. And um, Tiger's biggest problem the past two days is he's missing the short putt. But he's yes. hitting the long putt. <laughs> he is. He is hitting the long putt. So, yeah, on 17, he uh, had an opportunity missed. Or, I'm sorry, 16 that was. And then 17, he had a, a a long putt, but he, you know, got up and down for great par. And then on 18, he stuck it probably, like, within eight feet and left it right on the edge. You know, it makes you wonder if so, the reason he's having trouble with the putting, you know, at the beginning here is that, you know, um, you know, Tiger, basically, you know, we think he might just be a robot or, or a video game himself. Yeah. So I think maybe on his controller, he's not pushing the L2 button enough as he does oh, the putt. That could and be. so he's not getting that extra curve. <laughs> and that's, that's causing the problem. So, you know, that's why I used to tell you when you were playing Tiger Woods golf on uh, PlayStation, you, you never took a short putt for granted. Yeah. Uh, that short putt could really kill you. So, yes. um, now the leader... At one point was Phil Mickelson. Is he still tied for the leader? Did he drop down? He dropped down. Oh, poor Phil. Yeah. Man, after winning the skins against Tiger. He's, he's still there, like right in it though. I mean, he's like four under, I wanna say. Uh JP. I don't know if you can confirm four under, but uh Yeah. Uh let me um let me get to that screen real quick. I was just looking at the leaderboard. We are live on air. We can hear everything I can hear everything coming through. So uh, let me just get into that screen real quick. I just had to switch screens here. So uh, Phil Nicholson is four under. He's tied for 12. And when I say we have a, a log jam, um, <laughs> minus seven is all thousand. And there's one, two, three, four, five players there. Minus six is one, two, three, four, five, or four players there. There's uh, two at minus five. And there's one, two, three, four at minus four. And the whole bunch at minus three. So we have a log jam out in Augusta. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's, it's nice to see a close battle going on, because um, we don't see that a lot in recent years. And it's a lot of big names at the top, guys. That's what makes it fun. Yeah. It, it really is. Yes. So I'm... Uh, it, just as a, as a as a local note for me, I'm gonna be turning the the phones down. Oh, on occasionally when when JP talks, it doesn't come in through so hot, so loud. Okay. So if you don't hear your voice right away, it's just I haven't turned it back up. Got it. Um, and uh, unfortunately, we're not using the. Uh, I don't have a spot for the amplifier here, so that's kind of we'll try and get that fixed up for next gotcha. week. Um, no, nobody at home knows what we're talking about, but that's uh, one day we're gonna get this thing on live on uh, on YouTube or whatnot uh, to listen or to watch our shows live. 
once I have a place where I can actually get a good setup, because otherwise you should yeah. be watching us sitting on the couch. <laughs> that probably is not going to entertain anybody too much. So, <laughs> um, now you guys took a bet early on, not a bet, but your your your, I don't know, your prediction uh, of who could win, and I don't remember who you guys picked. JP, do you remember? Nate, go ahead. I I took uh, Rory McIlroy, who is probably not. Yeah, I mean he's he's not out of it. I think he's even par, or maybe one under. JP, you'd have to. Confirm. I can let you know here. Pretty uh, sure he's even. Boy, he's way down here. Um, keep going. I'll, I'll yeah, he's even JP, par. Yeah, and JP, how about you? You who did you take? Uh, I like Brian DeChambeau, who had a great first day, then fell off yesterday. And the reason I like them is because the past two winners won the Dubai Open, and he just won that that tournament. So I picked him. Uh, I also like Kupka and Kuchar to to be in this tournament too, and, and Kupka's right up there. Uh, Kuchar's a little further down, but not that far off. Gucci, boy, we got quite a uh, combo going there. Um, where is Rory from? I don't recognize the flag. Oh, it looks a lot like the English flag, but there's something over the cross. Yeah. So I don't know what that is. I, I don't have a blow-up picture of it, but... Uh, Dakota Arms, I think. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes more sense then. Okay. Um, I noticed Jordan Spieth is not doing all that well. I mean, he's not doing poorly, but when you're already five strokes off the lead... I mean, they were talking about how Saturday was the day that people make moves in the Masters. I don't know why that is. They but, call it moving day. Yep. Oh, they call it moving yep. day. Okay. So I guess we'll, we should know today who's who's a real viable candidate. Absolutely, and I and I think last I heard there was some a little bit of weather this morning. I don't know if JP can confirm that, but I think I saw some a little bit of moisture, some you know some rain come down. You know the previous. I think it was really early this morning. Um, I looked at a live shot with Greenberg, and it looked okay. It looked okay, unless that was a tape shot. Okay, and what is the largest? If you guys know. Uh, oh, we don't have a sports question. Anybody have a trivia question? I'll get one. You guys work <laughs> on it. Go for um, it. I was just wondering, what is the most strokes back someone has been on Sunday to win the Masters? Like, what's the greatest Ooh. Sunday come to win a Masters? You know, I mean, I'm guessing it's someone who was playing against Greg Norman because I know that he blew a lot of massive leads in his day. He was kind of the choke artist du jour, but I don't know – it doesn't necessarily mean that was – he may have choked severely, but it doesn't mean that somebody was way behind and ended up winning those Masters, right? It could be – somebody could have been, like, ahead by six strokes, but the person that won it, well, I don't know. I, I can't convey what I'm trying to say, but I don't – I'm just really curious what is a reasonable amount to come back on. Like, okay, you're down that's four, the question. That's the question. So you got an answer? I do. Okay. Because uh, my, my, my guess is going to be no more than four strokes made up in a day, but – it's not that there couldn't be. I mean, some guy gets a double or triple bogey on, you know, the tin cup hole. All right. Name name the decade, name the player, and name how many shots back he was. And then came back to win? Yep. All right. Well, that's going to be tricky. Boy. Just out, of, just out of curiosity, and you don't have to give us any more hints, but is it a player that we will, is well known? No. Okay, that's gonna make it hard. All right. Well, JP, that'll be on you to try and uh, and try and hit that one because I don't think I know enough the, obscure golfers. The person that he 
beat would be someone that everyone will know his name. Anybody that's in golf or watched golf will know his name. So there's your hint. Jim Furyk. I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of like collapses. Like I said, Greg Norman is the only one I know who had multiple collapses, but I don't even know if those were at the Masters. I just know he had a he got a reputation for choking pretty severely in uh, in these golf matches. Uh, JP again. So now, oh, Nate, did you say who it was that you took as your favorite to before I, the thing started? I took Rory McIlroy. Oh, that's what you said. Yeah, and then I said I picked Tiger in the top ten. Gotcha. Well, yeah, Tiger looking great. One shot off the lead. That'll be fantastic. I mean, just to have him in it on a Sunday. I mean, the hype around the Masters yesterday was astounding compared to the last five years. I mean, it just shows what Tiger does. There are players that transcend the sport, and he's that guy. And if he's it's in it, it's unbelievable. Why is he so compelling? Why? Because everyone still wants to see him break the record because it's America and we love to see records broken because it means great things happen. Yeah. And we always want to see somebody do better. It's like we never – have you ever noticed how we never are sad when we see a record get broken? We're always rooting to see the record go down. Yes. We're, we're rooting to see the, the Cinderella team win the championship. That's the draw of the Olympics, you know, too, yeah. to get to see people set just records. Wanna, yeah, I just want to love – just love seeing good competition and people getting rewarded – for putting in hard work, you know, and yeah. since, you know, so many of us aren't of astute athletic ability, I think we all love to see the underdog team do well. Cause we think, Hey, there's our guy, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's me getting a chance. That's when you see the, the five foot four golfer and you're like, sweet dude, that guy can't hit it any further than I can. And he's right in it. So uh, the leaderboard, boy, I don't think I can even say that first name. Lewis. Oosthausen. Oh, Sounds like Munchausen by we, proxy. We, 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 we. <laughs> all right. Number two at, uh, well, these are all four. These are five, two, three, four, five guys tied yeah. to negative seven. Yes. So Oosthausen and then Adam Scott, Brooks Kopa, Kopka, Kepka, Francesco Moliani, Molinari, Molinari, Jason Day. Yep. Hmm. I don't know Jason Day at all. I've never heard his name at all. Uh, obviously, I can't he's, pronounce names the way they're spelled, so that's why these guys correct me. He's yeah, he's a good, he's a good player. I, I don't think he's won one, but he's he's been in the hunt a few times. Um, but yeah, yeah JP, he's, he's one of my favorite golfers. Yeah, and he's uh, he's definitely ranked in the top like ten or so. I I think in the world, he's Dustin pretty, Johnson is in second place at negative six with some yes, others. Uh-huh. Did he win it last year? Two years ago? Uh, two years ago, uh, I think. Or did he win the yep. Players' Championship? No, he won it. He won the Masters. He was the Masters. Okay. I think two years ago, right, JP? Yeah, two years ago, Francesco Molinari won it last year. Oh, Molinari won it last year. Okay. Uh, Molinari. Yeah, he seems to play well there. Italian? Yeah, he, he is Italian. Yeah. Those flag looks Italian or either either Italian or Mexican, but yeah, no, I don't think I don't... he's Italian. Okay, yeah. that sounds like a Sounds like a mobster name. So um, let's see the notable else. Uh Phil Nicholson at negative four. So you called that. Uh, he's tied for 12th because there's so many people bunched up. I mean, we've got the five sevens. We've four sixths and then two fifths and then, or I'm sorry, uh, four negative six strokes and then two negative five and then another four negative fours and then a whole bunch of negative threes. So you can just say three under. Oh, three under. Okay, yeah. there we go. Yeah. Uh, lots of lots of lots of talent 
all kind of centered at the top. So yeah, so it's it's going to make for a super fun weekend. I mean, JP, you know as well as I do, this is such a tradition with at least with my dad. We used to actually go out and we would play around real early on Sunday morning. You know, like six a.m. Yep. And then we'd come home, we'd make a big, you know, big fat lunch with some sweet tea and we'd turn on the masters and watch, you know, watch as, you know, we'd doze in and out here and there, you know, we'd be doing some chores around the house. It was just one of those things you could kind of turn away. And then when you went back to engage, it was like, yes, here we are. You were right in the mix. You know, it just, it was cool. You could step away and then come right back and then, and still be right immersed in it. Yeah, you're right, Nate. I mean, it's 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 one of those traditions for me too that you you, you start watching and and what I love about this year, Mark, you already hit on it. We have so many of the biggest names in golf on that leaderboard, and it's going to make it so exciting. Yeah, there, there's a lot of good players, uh, a lot of good young players out there right now, and you know, I think. If we were to see Tiger win this tournament, what do you think that would do for golf? Well, I'm going to tell you this. Depending on how Tiger does today, tomorrow might be one of the largest Masters TV ratings that they've ever had, quite frankly, because everyone wants to see Tiger up there. Yeah, I would imagine if he's within three shots or so, that it's going to be a pretty heavily watched day. Yeah, and if Tiger had a chance to actually win the thing over the last, like, five holes, that's when people will start tuning in, that last yeah. hour, to uh, try and see him to see him achieve greatness. We, yep. uh, how, many, how many majors does he have? Is it five? Fourteen. Oh, shit, fourteen. So what, what, what's the record number? Eighteen. So he's still four more to tie, to tie him. Okay. Yeah. He needs well, four more to time. Got to get one to get those other three. So he, that's exactly it. And I think this is going to be, you know, a good chance for him. He's one shot back. He had a shot to to really. He could have been in the lead. You know, he could have made both those putts. They were right on the edge. That would have been. And he would have walked into Saturday a shot up on everybody. So I think his mental toughness, JP is really what separated him, you know, back in the day when he, you know, he was talented physically, obviously, but his mental toughness was what separated him. And I think that's really going to be a leg up for him this weekend as well. You know, even if he's not hitting it perfectly flush or he's still missing those five and six foot putts more often than he would like, he's going to be able to battle through that, put that in the past and just look at the next hole and battle back. You know, and uh, I think that's going to make Tiger, you know, he's going to be right in it because of that. Yeah, he's got to start making those those, those short putts is is really what he's battling right now. Other than that, his game looks great. Yeah, his iron game yesterday was just ridiculous. I mean, he was stick shots five, six feet left and right. And uh, that's just so much fun to watch, you know. It gives you a shot, right? Anytime you're able to put a ball within 10 feet of the hole, it gives you a shot at a birdie. And that's, the, you know, that's the part of his game that was really dialed in yesterday were those those middle irons and uh, the low irons. So, well, maybe he's just not in pain for the first time in yeah, a long time. I would imagine you know? that's a lot of it. Yeah. 
You actually just, you know, and it yeah. takes a while. You're not in pain to get back in the groove, right? Because you're like, oh, I can finally swing normal. Now yeah. let me actually get my timing on and my muscle memory back, and I can see all that being making a big. Yeah, big you impact. know, yesterday was a it was an important day because Thursday he shot two under, which was seventy, right? Which is what he shot the other four times that he's won the Masters. Uh, so he had a seventy in round one and a sixty-eight yesterday. So yeah, and that's that's my point is. You know, he shot a 70 the first day, and it's like, ooh, Tiger, he's hanging around, mm-hmm. you know. But he was still, like, a couple shots back, you know, and it wasn't what it was. But then yesterday, he made a move. Like I said, he could have shot six under very easily had he just had a few putts drop, you know. And, uh, man, that that really solidified for me that Tiger is back, at least to some capacity. And has a chance of winning this thing. Let's see. Par on this course is 72 at Augusta. So. Yep. Um, do, do you guys God, real quick, I got to hang up real quick. I just got a really important text message. I'm going to give you guys a call right back in about five minutes. Get her name. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> right. what do you, do you know off the top of your head, which, like how many, uh, 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 Sorry, I can hardly hear. <laughs> After that, it got blown out there. Yeah, I don't know why we, that comes in so loud from from the blog talk external like that. Um, it doesn't actually seem as pronounced uh, on the recording afterwards. I've noticed, but it right. does. It just does live for us for yeah. some reason. I was just going to ask you though, how many championships? Do you know like how many championships from each of the majors Tiger has gotten? Like those fourteen, like how they break up. I don't know exactly. I'm pretty. You got at least two masters, right? I'm pretty sure he has four. Okay. Yeah. I remember the one that he had where he just he was landing on you know doing um, one shot on the green par fours. Yeah, and I the first think time. There's one that he's only won once or twice, but I'm not sure. You know, it's something we would have to look up. And name them all. Do you know all the? Well, they call it. So they used to call it the British Open. But now they call it the Open Championship. It's been back and forth actually a couple times over the last thirty years. But you would think they want to keep the name British so that they knew it was, you know, being played over in. in but England. they wanted it to be the Open Championship because it doesn't need definition, you know. It's that prestigious. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That. But that was their thinking, right? Is that the oldest one? That is the oldest one. And, and, you know, they they cycle through courses just like the U.S. Open. Um, but that, you know, those are the some those are the oldest golf courses on the planet, most of those. They, they, you know, now, is, is that British one, is that in, in Scotland or is it in Britain? St. Andrews is in Scotland. St. Yeah. Andrews is in Scotland. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Scotland. And then Augusta is in Georgia? Augusta is in Georgia. And then the Players' Championship, where is that at? So the Players' Championship, it, it I'm not even sure if it's still – called that oh i think it might be called something else now no they always used to call that the fifth major now they have the pga Ah. championship is what you're thinking of okay so it starts out with the masters and then um what's the one that's played at pebble beach or isn't so that's they so that's one of the courses that cycles through the u.s open oh gotcha yeah okay so you got the u.s open masters the open championship and the pga championship Oh, those are the four. Yeah. And the Open is the British one. The Open Championship is the British one. Yeah. Are the other three played in the U.S.? Yes. Interesting. I would have thought one got in Australia. 
Oh, yeah. So, yes, uh, the Masters is played at Augusta every year. It's the same course every time. Okay. Um, But then you have the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship cycle through, you know, there's an, a new course added in every few years, but it's really kind of cycles through going to the same seven to ten courses most of the time. That's a lot of courses. Yeah. I mean, to go through ten, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, the Masters, do you know where it gets that name from? The Masters Championship? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't. I don't know the history behind okay. that. No. I don't think that was like, considered like the one course to master. Like, is that a really hard course? Well, I mean, for, for me, these would all be incredibly hard but like for Tiger and stuff, like is this a really hard course? Is Augusta hard? Yeah, I think so, and I think it depends on the conditions, like how deep the rough is or how thick it is. Yeah, that can be a big part of it. How I also think like getting. how much moisture is really a big part of it because uh, okay. they really the the greens can become quite difficult from my understanding. Like they're plotting just, and just like. There's a lot of undulations Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of, you know, subtle breaks and there's also some false fronts, you know, where if the ball kind of just even starts to roll back at all, it builds momentum and it can end up in the water. Yeah. Those, you know, (laughs) yeah. So, you know, the pin placements are huge. You know, they put those pins in really tight spots like that. Mm -hmm. So if you do miss it short spins back into the water, you know, so you do got to be really careful about those things. Uh, but yeah, the, I mean, there's some, there's a few holes that are really tough. Four and five are really notoriously difficult. Uh, Amen corner, which I don't want to screw this up, but I think it's 13 and 14. Okay. Um, you know, and that's always kind of a big area where guys make that final push, you know? So I was just showing the greens. I was trying to see what the 13 and 14 hole looked like. Um, is that the one where the 16th is the island, or is that is that a now that's course? the Players Championship? Oh, so Players Championship. Um, they play that at TPC Sawgrass, and 17 is the island green you're thinking of. I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's only I like think, a 150 yard hole typically, but is that the one they use in Tin Cup? Uh, yeah, the one where he keeps hitting that one and it keeps no, going in the water. No, that's that's from another course. I can't remember which course that's from. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was just wondering because. You know, like it, you, that one is definitely kind of iconic. It's like almost it like the same one they use in Happy Gilmore for the last shot. <laughs> Good you be. know, like a lot of times it seems like they have like those, the ones that you've seen enough times, even if you don't know where it is, you've seen it enough times yeah. to, to recognize it right off the bat. Yeah. So, um, you know, you made me think of another question. Uh, oh, uh, do they move the hole during the tournament or is it staying in the same spot all four days? No, they do. They move the pin placements. Wow. Yeah, and That's so incredible. I don't know if they do it each day. I think they do it each day. But I I remember as a kid, you know, we had like two or three day tournaments. They would do it twice. And it would be, you know, the first day and the second day would be the same. And then the third day they would change it. Wow. Yeah. That's hard, man. <laughs> you just, you, you finally get used to how to approach a hole and it changes on you. That's what uh, practice rounds are for. So I, so I was telling, you know, I was telling my wife yesterday, you know, kind of the life of a golfer, you know, so during the summer, these guys, I mean, that's all they do. So, you know, uh, Monday is a big travel day. You know, they all are flying out, flying in, driving out, driving in. That's all they do on Monday. 
Then Tuesday they'll get in, and, you know, some of them will play around, but a lot of them will just go out and practice, you know, and they go out and hit balls. They might drive the course, you know, a little bit with their caddy just to look at the greens and things like I that. I mean, can you just go tee off on any hole if you want to? or I'm sure or that they make, any it, hole you want to? they make it pretty exclusive. I think they shut down the course for the week, you know, for those – for those guys, no, I, I, oh, you mean before the tournament they do this for the week before? So yeah, the I'm, I'm explaining okay. like kind of a typical week, right? So Monday is a travel day. They're coming off a tournament from Sunday, right? So Tuesday they get in, like I said, they practice, they do all that, they scout the course, kind of, and then on Wednesday is that practice round. And so you know the caddies, that's kind of when they go to work. Sorry, autoplay, Pagey. Um. <laughs> Yeah, that's when the caddies go to work, you know, on that Wednesday is they're up on the greens looking at all the different possibilities of pin placements, you know, trying to get they do get a pin sheet, which kind of tells them the depth of the green, okay. you know, and it'll give them a pin placement each day. You know, it'll show it on the on the pin sheet. So they get some information, you know, it's just how they use it, of course. But there's, you know, a lot of subtle like elevation changes there as well at Augusta where, you know, the green might be elevated, but it's more than it looks, you know, like it might be another 20, 30 yards above from where you're hitting your shot. So you got to hit that, it that much harder. Yeah. That you much got, higher. Well, you might have to club up a club, you know? And so those little things, you know, are that that's what a caddy comes in, comes into play, you know, having a good caddy making, you know, the, the good scouting decisions, understanding the layout of the course, the elevation changes, and all of that. So, do you usually have the same caddy for most of the time, or do you pick up a local caddy that knows that? I course? think it varies. You know, I think so. The big names, I think, kind of stick to their guy. You okay. know, typically, you know, not that's you know not speaking for all of them, but uh, and then I think you know the guys that maybe struggle a little bit more do kind of tend to switch caddies. You know, because hmm. you know you got to pay like. <laughs> think about it this way if you're you know a caddy and you're caddying for a guy and he never wins any money <laughs> are you gonna want to play for him or be his caddy anymore no good yeah. point good point yeah i uh i guess i was kind of thinking if i was a really high end golfer i would like want to have at least for like the four masters somebody who spent all their time there caddying and i think that's what tuesday is about you know they probably do have a connection there you know where maybe it's not a caddy or a member or or that cat or they do have a caddy and that caddy walks with your caddy and kind of i trust me those guys do their due diligence you know and i think when they go to augusta you know those top end guys they they know a member you know, I'm mm-hmm. sure, oh, and, of and they talk to those guys, and they they do their work. You know, so I'm guessing a member at Augusta is probably going to be a fairly well-to-do, if not talented, golfer. Yeah, and white as well. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I told you about the business trip I took uh, out in Florida last or back in January, and boy, I played with a guy who I was just staggered by the amount of alcohol he consumed while shooting a right-down-the-middle beautiful fade every single shot. I mean, it wasn't even like a question of, like, are you going to get around that tree or whatever, because he never was in the way of anything. He was always right in the middle of the fairway. (laughs) He must have hit, he must have hit, like, 94% fairway. And 
you know, like I said, he was just he was just knocking alcohol back like it was going out of style. And big, I mean, was he a bigger guy? He was a big guy. He's probably yeah. six three, six four. Um, he talked about the golf course he's a member of up in New Jersey where he yeah. lives, and that it's so exclusive that it's got few enough members that he can decide to go golf virtually any time and get on. Yeah. Like Saturday morning, they can say, Hey guys, what do you think about golfing in an hour? Yep. And they'd get on the course at seven thirty. Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing, but he said that it's such an expensive membership. I was fortunate enough to grow up, you know, with a little money. My parents were pretty well to do. And we had, we had a country club membership when I was a kid. And so actually the two country clubs. And so, yeah, you could, my dad would wake up in the morning and be like, Hey, let's go you know, in the summertime, be like, let's go out there, you know, and they, within like 15, 20 minutes, you know, they were able to get us on the course all the time. And it was always pleasant. You were never like being held up out there or having people breathing down. Oh, your it's neck. never too many. Never yeah. Too thick. Yeah. It was just uh real comfortable. You know? That's what you're paying for. Right. Yes. I guess you can also say that. That's why some people get pissed off about golf courses though, because it's in like all that land, all that room. And it's for so few people, you know, yep. But, boy, golfing on a nice course, which I haven't done a ton of. Yeah. But my dad belongs to a fairly nice course out in my hometown. Uh-huh. Uh, when we went to Hawaii, when we went to Con- uh, Cab- Cabo, uh, Las Vegas, you know, played some some pretty high-end courses. And it is wild when you play those courses, like the way the ball rolls on the yeah. fairway or on the green. Like, if you, you just like, wow, that's really smooth. That's really well-kept. There aren't these... You know, like this, that is because there's always those spots on other courses where either the, the, there's water seeping up, seeping up through the ground because it's, it's got a problem with the water drainage, sure, or the brown patch or the the patch that goes yeah, break, and, and, and it's a know. public course, so it's probably not as well funded, right? So I would guess like not yeah. even close, but then also just massive volume, right? You got yeah, traffic, yeah, yeah I mean, just. just a, grass can only take so much you yeah, know yeah 50,000 rounds in a summer you know yeah you, get, you, know, you have to have that tee box that has no uh, grass spots left because of so many chunks taken out of it yeah. um but uh, yeah but playing those nice courses man it is uh it's just always nice because like, you know have like the gps unit in the golf cart that tells you how many feet you are from the hole and what the elevation is and i've got a pretty decent finding tool you know to kind of measure that and everything yeah. but it's just it's just nice to have you know the more precise the measurement, the better off you are. Yeah. I know that for me, I am not entirely consistent with my swing, which is my biggest handicap. And so I can't always pick the right based on distance. Now, but I did when I took golf lessons, that golf teacher basically told me every 10 yards was a club. Mm-hmm. That's what he tried to get me to to estimate at when I was starting. Mm-hmm. That's how they used to teach, yeah. Do you how, how is that accurate or is that fairly far off? It's pretty far off now. So how much would you say is the difference between club? It depends. I think there can be a lot of, you know, different angles and things like that on each. I like I don't know what the standard angle of the seven iron is. You know, there gotcha. there is one, and they tend to vary. You know, one to two degrees. Mm-hmm. You know, depending on what the you know the club is, and then also how upright you are. Mm-hmm. you know, and how long the shaft is and all of those different things. But, um, I, you know, it's weird because from my nine iron to my pitching wedge, I don't have a huge gap. It's, you know, I hit my nine iron about 153, 154, and then I hit my pitching wedge 
probably about 139, 138, right in that range. You know, so it's, you know, it's not a huge drop off. It's about 12 yards. Gotcha. But when I go down from pitching wedge to sand wedge, I'm, you know, from 138, 139 to about 98. Well, that's not a shocker, though, because now you're talking about clubs that are made for loft and not for distance ball. Sure. But no, I'm now going the other way on the spectrum. You know, you go down from, you know, eight where I'm at, you know, around 160 to one, maybe 162. And then a seven jumps way up to like 175, you know. Interesting. So, yeah, it's just I think, you know, it just depends on a lot of different factors. So I think, you know, anywhere from 10 to 15 yards is a pretty, like, good range to to be aware. You know, guys like us aren't going to be out there too worried about, you know, whether you're within a yard or two of how far you're trying to hit it, you know. Oh, I'm so inconsistent in my swing that even on my good days, <laughs> I it, that makes it hard for me because I don't know what club to pick a lot of times because I'm not sure. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm hitting well today, so I could send this one soaring 145 yards. But if I hit it kind of my bad way, I might hit it 108 yards. So, you know, I can really kind of screw myself. And so I usually try to aim long because it's rare. It's it's rarer for me to hit it correctly Mm -hmm. than for me to not hit it correctly. Mm -hmm. I I, I will trend towards not hitting it correctly. Yeah. Uh, Not on purpose, but not not correctly. Um, All right. Well, I I don't know if there was anything else you wanted to review in the Masters. I think that's pretty in-depth. Yeah, that's pretty in-depth for golf, you know. Yeah. To give golf that much time. And, uh, uh, you know, game uh, tee-off has got to be not too long from now, I would think. Uh, so I know, like, Tiger tees off at noon. There's already guys on the course, though. They start early. Okay. Well, so. on the live scoreboard, it hadn't shown any uh, anything so far. So. Um, oh, really? Maybe they haven't teed off. Yeah, though. on the live updater, it, it hadn't shown anything Maybe yet. they don't tee off till 10. That could be. I know Tiger and all the big boys go around noon to no, noon to one. So oh boy, they do. Boy, they all tee off in kind of a. Uh, well, that thing did say. Oh no, there's some guys going now. Okay, okay, I thought so. So Mark Leishman is playing. Takumi K- Kanaya is playing. Yep. Tyrell Halton, Patrick Con- Cantley, Cantley, um, Siwoo Kim. I don't know most of the people that are playing, but yeah, so they're. Boy, people are starting off strong. Is it a? Is well, it they got a lot of easy on. They got a lot of moisture yesterday, and so you know the greens are. The feel is real easy on them right now. Boy, there's a negative four already, and there's five negative threes. Yeah, wow. Just just starting the day, and this is none of the leaders have teed off yet. They all started like twelve, like you said, twelve forty-five, twelve thirty-five, twelve twenty-five, twelve fifteen. Yeah. So. Yeah, from noon on to one is a good time, I think, to start watching. Uh, I'll be trying to tune in to check out Tiger. I won't care about anybody else, yeah. but I'd love to see how Tiger does today, at least see if he's in it. Um, I did enjoy watching the him versus Mickelson thing in Texas, or uh, excuse me, Vegas, even though I'm fairly certain at the end there that it was they were conning it yeah. to, to get more more out of it and make more of a show of it, you know? Yeah. And I think finally uh, Phil Mickelson was just like, Tiger, you just lost it today. I don't know if you're just tired or what, but – you're not even getting close anymore, so I'm just going to go ahead and end this thing. That's funny. But, uh, you know, hey, some days you're on, some days you're off, right? I mean. Yeah, that's, I, heard, I heard a real funny story, actually, about that recently with Phil Mickelson. And I can't remember the name of the country singer, but 
they were, you know, he had just won that tournament against Tiger, that match that they played, right? And this country singer was a, was a golf fan and and had watched it and was, you know, disappointed. And so he thought he was going to go bust Phil's balls. And so he, they were at somebody's wedding. I can't remember who, some famous athlete or something, right? So this right. guy walks over to Phil and, and he, you know, and he's like, hey, you know, good job beating Tiger, you know? And he's like, oh, yeah, well, thanks, man, you know? And, and he's like, well, I want you to refund me my $120 because that was some of the worst crap I've ever watched on TV. He's like, the golf was just terrible. And he just really called the guy, you know, really called Phil out. And so I guess Phil, like, I I guess Phil (laughs) pulled out a, pulled out a C note, handed it to him and basically told him, I won 90,000 of these last week. Here you go. (laughs) (laughs) I guess, I mean, that may or may not be impressive depending on, uh, on how famous of but, a country star we're talking. Well, about. I think he's kind of like a B or a C type country singer, you know, like he's not a big name. But uh they had a good laugh, I guess, about it and then like, you know, they kind of were able to connect again like a couple months after that, you know, oh, okay. and uh you know, Phil was like, "I really appreciate your sense of humor and I think like it was kind of a turned into kind of a fun thing, you know. Cool. But I think maybe at first there was some tension. <laughs> so, well, you know, I mean, hey, whenever you're talking about anytime you pay for a pay-per-view event and you don't feel like you got your money's worth, I don't know that you really have a right to get mad at the performer. Yeah. I think you have the option to say I'll never buy it again. Yeah. And you have the option of not buying it the first time and then saying, "Oh, it was great. I'll can I'll do it this time." Right. But uh, you know, him. You, you, if you you buy something, you're taking a shot. Sometimes you buy a video game like uh, Destiny or Watch Dogs, and it sucks, and you wasted your money. And sometimes you buy a game like FIFA, the first one that came out, and all your friends played together, and, and, yeah. you, and you played it so much it was worth five hundred dollars. I mean, yeah, you know, like Mario Kart sixty four, right? I mean, that's probably the most popular Mario Kart of all time. And my goodness, I mean. If you had a PlayStation, or if you had a, a, a N64 and four controllers, and you had that game, it probably got played sixty to seventy bazillion times yeah. every single every single time. So, let's go ahead and move on to the uh, NCAA. We had the championship this weekend, or not this weekend on Monday. And uh, JP, we got you back on the line here. So we saw Virginia win first title ever. Talked about that. Biggest embarrassment to biggest triumph turnaround for, for Virginia. It's a big deal. And uh, Texas Tech Red Raiders made a very valiant attempt. So it kind of comes down to kind of a chaotic finish to the, uh, not what do you call regular time or, or, you know, before the overtime, yep. the kind of the end, the close of the thing, a little bit of controversy. So, I mean, how did you feel about that overall? Go ahead, JP. Uh, me, yeah, um, I'll, I'll feel that. I don't think there was enough evidence on the super slow-mo, because you've got to remember, super slow-mos distort the picture a little bit because they're taken at such high speeds. I don't think there was enough evidence to actually overturn that call, and there's a lot of sportscasters out there that agree with me on that one. JP, tell us what you're talking about, yeah. though. 
Oh, I'm sorry. It was the uh, it was uh, the, uh, the Virginia player knocked it out of his hand, and the ball went out of bounds. And then it re- originally it was called Texas Tech ball. They went to the slow mo and reversed the call. Uh, major point in the at the end of the game. Uh, although Texas Tech had a chance to hit their free throws and they didn't, and at the end of the game with 14 seconds left, the kid from Virginia buries a three from the corner to tie the game. You inbound the ball. You have plenty of time. You don't need to take a three-point shot. You can drive to the hole, maybe get fouled, and put up a really high-percentage two-point shot because he let that shot go with four seconds. No, that was a horrible decision by Texas Tech in terms of, of what shot selection to use on that final shot. I mean, you do wonder about, um, you know, Virginia – with their goof of the one guy trying to call timeout while, while the uh, other player was trying to pass him the ball. And so then it went out of bounds um, that, you know, that, that alone was kind of a, a, a disaster, but those things all kind of coupled together to give kind of that weird ending. There's also that conjecture that the guy double dribbled. Um, and I, I, I don't know the name of the player, but um, you know, it, it you got to wonder about like traveling and things like that. Like, when those, if those penalties get called late in games, when they're so rarely called early in games, I think that only makes the controversy worse, which is why I think they let them play through a lot of sometimes questionable um, movements on the court. But what was, I think, most staggering about this was when it went to overtime, I mean, Virginia just dominated them. And I, you know, what does that, what does that say? I mean, cause they were losing going into that. Well, I'm sorry. They actually were winning going into the half. They, they were, it looked like they were going to be going in and losing, but then they hit those couple of shots finished on like a seven, two run or a seven Oh run. But I mean, I think they just mentally ran out of gas, <laughs> you know, that felt that, like they missed their shot. Yeah. I think it's just the end of regulation that that was pr- kind of a blow, you know, and I think it took like a It lot. should have been our title. We were ahead. We had the ball. Yeah. There's think, no reason to lose this game. Yep. I think it was just a blow mentally, and, you know, it was hard. To, you know you know how it is when you feel defeated. Right. It's just tough to, to really come turn it around, you know, in, a, in, a, in a, an important moment like that. And this was the game with the foul on the three-point shot, right? Yeah. So that was, that was the one where I can see where that could have, bothered some fans but there's no question the guy was definitely moving into the player yes the player that was shooting was jumping forward Mm -hmm. but not a lot Mm -hmm. the guy who was defending was definitely jumping in his direction and he did make full contact there i mean there's no you know it wasn't like a jersey thing he hit into him Mm -hmm. and i'm sorry you can't do that and why would you do that I mean, I don't understand how anybody doesn't like. I would, I would take a better shot at jumping sideways, running sideways, perpendicular to the guy, and trying to swat it that way than you are jumping into the player. I, I just don't understand why you would even, why not say make the shot? You know, let me put my hand in your face, you can't see as well, Mm -hmm. and then just see if you make the shot. That's what you got to do is just cover their face. Yeah, why cover the? You know, go for the ball, sure, but. Yeah, man, if you can't see, it's hard to shoot. I mean, I'm sure these guys have shot enough shots that maybe it doesn't matter, but well, a lot of it's feel. Yeah. You know? But, you know, you, you, have to, you need some depth perception, so, you know. Agreed. I don't know. Are you making dinner over there, JP? Uh, no, I'm just sitting at my desk. Oh, <laughs> just keep hearing a lot of clicking. Um, 
Oh, you know so, what? I just moved my pen. I'm sorry. <laughs> now, I think what you guys were talking about was a Saturday game against Auburn that happened at the end of the game, if that's what you're talking about. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. That was it, where they tied up the Auburn oh, game with those free throws. So yeah. that's – But now right? you're 100% right with, with the call. I mean, you have to make that call. He went into him. But the worst problem is if he would have committed to the block, he probably would have blocked that shot or tipped it. Yeah. But he didn't commit to the yeah. block. When he went in the air, he knew he was in a bad place. Well, yeah, because you commit to the block, you're probably going to get a call for a foul. Right. Yeah. And I think he knew that. So, you know, yeah, I don't know. It's a tough call in that situation. And I think we also it, it was. These guys are, are, these are, I mean, these are 18, 19 years old maybe 20 in such high pressure. Yeah. I mean, they're going all on instinct and they haven't had the benefit that we have at our age where you're like, Hey man, we've seen this happen 15 times. Why do you keep making these same mistakes? Cause it's a person that never solved a mistake or never lived through it, you know? Right. And, uh, but yes, that, that Auburn game sure was a good game. I mean, Auburn should have won that thing. That was, that was, they blew that one. But, uh, I got, I, I got, I like giving our length away Barkley, uh, went into it, you know, it was like, no, there, there was nothing wrong with the call. There was nothing wrong with the foul. You know, it was, it was what it was. And, you know, they just played their hearts out and mm-hmm. just came up a little bit short. So uh, I would say overall though, very successful tournament. Yes, absolutely. I, you know, everybody, a lot of people like to see the big names, you know, where there's a Duke a North Carolina, Kentucky, you know, but this was fun and unique because it was a bunch of new teams, mm-hmm. you know, and I think, I think that's appealing to the, you know, kind of the amateur watcher, like somebody like us that we don't watch the regular season, you know, we just tune in for the tournament. And like, for me to, to be able to have that parody, it's fun to watch. It's like, yeah, the, uh, the chance that somebody new is going to make it to the final four is so exciting for me, you know? And like, I don't know. I just, I enjoy watching you know, someone new experienced that feeling. I, it was, I, I can't agree more. I, I, all I know is that I went into uh, watching the back-to-back games on Saturday and it's so much fun to be like, I don't really care who wins. I kind of care because I had a little bit of gambling on some of these teams, but overall it was like, I just want to see some good games. Right. And they were all good games. Both of those games on Saturday and the game on Monday, all good ones. Yeah. So all exciting games, all, all interesting. And I got to say, you guys were right when you guys were saying about all the predictions on Texas tech. I mean, I didn't think they were going to beat Michigan state, yeah. but boy, they looked real good in that game. Yep. So, uh, but yeah, but I just think overall very successful tournament. I don't know anybody who won a big time pool, we knew someone who was in a big time pool till kind of late, but they had Gonzaga as their champion. So when Gonzaga went down, uh, utter disaster. Yep. So, uh, JP, why don't we uh, why don't we jump over to the NHL if you want to take the lead there? I know it's been kind of a, a wild you, uh, start you, to the playoffs. You want me huh? to do the trivia question now, real oh, quick, before I, we like go into a new topic? Yeah, let's do that. So the question recap was. Um, What's the largest Sunday comeback at the Masters? How many shots? Who was it? And in what decade? Well, I mean, I know so few golfers that if it's not a big name, 
I'm not going to even have a chance. You got a guess, JP? Uh, I thought it was Nick Faldo. Okay, so here I'll give you the three biggest ever. Okay, so the third was in 2011. Charles Schwartzell trailed Rory McIlroy by four shots after 54. He birdied the final four holes to win the Masters in 2011. Then after that, so he won it. So did Rory then had a bogey or something in that? Well, he had to have, right? Unless it was a playoff, yeah. Yeah. So then in 96, Nick Faldo rallied from a six-shot deficit to Greg Norman, entering the final day to win his third green jacket. That's the one that you were thinking of, JP, and you mentioned Greg Norman as well. Yeah, I know Greg Norman's checked a few times. That's the second largest. So the the first largest was a man named Jack Burke Jr., and he made history in 1956 by coming from eight shots back. And he defeated this name, I think, maybe at least J.P. will know. Amateur at the time, Ken Venturi. And what yep. year was that? 1956. He's a commentator. 1956. Or at least he yeah, he's a really yeah. good commentator. Yeah. Now, when you said on the first one, came back after 54, did you mean after 54 holes? After 54 holes, which is after and how, and what, there's there's 36 times or uh, – there's 72 in a four-day four tournament. Days. Okay. Wow. And then he did eight in one day? Eight in one day. Boy. I mean, wow. I mean, you really have to crush it, and the guy ahead of you has really had to had to choke it. Did yeah. you know how much he won that one by? Didn't know. Huh. I'm guessing by a one. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess it could have been a lot more than that. Um, okay, uh, JP, did you want to uh, jump into the NHL real quick? Uh, yeah, let me actually give my uh, final thoughts on the basketball tournament real quick. Oh, I, yeah. I didn't get to chime in on that. Um, you know, not the best tournament overall. Very successful tournament, exciting tournament. Uh, we didn't have any buzzer beaters in this tournament, uh, unlike no. past years. We had uh, we had our upsets on day one and two, like we like we we said. Um, the thing that bugged me about the final game is Texas Tech went seven minutes and I believe 38 seconds without actually hitting a shot from the field. They hit all of their shots from the free throw line in that in that in that span to start the game. Well, I, I, all I'm saying is that you got fouled trying to make your shots, then, right? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, Virginia fouled them uh, quite often in the beginning of the game, and, and, and Texas Tech was throwing up bricks left and right. So you think that they should have just not guarded them nearly as, as tightly, and you think that Virginia would have kind of walked away with it? Um, I think Virginia had a chance at one point in the game to kind of uh, – this was – it started off like everybody thought. It's going to be the defensive, defensive, defense. If they score 55, it'll be a miracle – and then it, the game went wide open for some reason, which none, neither of these teams play that way. And uh, I think if Virginia, te- or Virginia would have focused a little bit more on playing their game, I think they would have ran away with this, this one. Well, that may be why, you know, why overtime was so lopsided. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. I, but uh, overall, it was, a, it was a great tournament. You know, it's, it's a lot of teams that got far that – 
that didn't really, you know, they're not the big blue blood names. And, uh, I mean, look at Auburn and, and who they beat just to even get to that point in beating UNC. They beat uh, UNC, Kentucky, and Kansas in three straight games. They had to beat them to get to the Final Four. So, wow. you know, that was uh, that was something that was, wow. you know, incredible to watch. Yeah. I just love the idea of, of all these big blue bloods not in it. I do, you too. Know? Yeah. That just, that just warms the cockles. Yeah. So. <laughs> all right, so let's jump into the NHL playoffs right here. So, uh, boy, I, you know what you said, and the, the Nuggets playing their first uh, playoff game in a long since 2012 or 13, and the Avalanche on at the same time is just that's that's league scheduling and TV rights that schedule that. So there's nothing really that the Nuggets or the Avs could have done about it, which is definitely unfortunate for us. For me, not so much. I've got three TVs. It just seems like they could have said, "Hey, you know what." You're scheduled to start on this hour, and we're going to start. You know, we're scheduled to start two hours later. We're going to flip those games, you know, and and, and you got two different leagues to do it. I mean, do you think it would really affect any team if you're like, well, you're going to play at four now, you're going to play at two? You know, I mean, is it that is it that big of a change? I mean, come on, NFL teams flex on Sunday all the time for the Sunday night game, so I doesn't think it's that big of a deal. I mean, in the end, probably neither one of the you know, a franchise wouldn't really care, but I thought these franchises might since they're both owned by the same guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but, you know, they're not both, they're not both at the Pepsi Center. And, you know, I, I always wonder, is it a better thing or a worse thing when you have two different playoff games happening in one stadium in the same day? Yeah, uh, I don't think there's any drawback to it because what what would have happened is the if, if the Avalanche were home tonight, uh, they would have been the afternoon game and the Nuggets would have been the nighttime game. Yeah, I was just wondering if that if that if that has a negative uh, impact on anything. So, um, so what's your biggest shock to start these playoffs? Wow, boy, there's some shocks out there. I mean. Let's just look at the Columbus Blue Jackets. Tampa Bay won the President's, uh, President's uh, Cup. They, they had the best record in hockey, most points. Uh, the, the, we go by points in all these leagues. Most points with uh, over, I think it was 120. And um, they are now down 2 to nothing to Columbus. And when I say that, Columbus destroyed them 5-1. to one. And these are all games on the road for Columbus. And they just destroyed them last night, five to one. Huge surprise! I don't think anyone could have seen this coming. Columbus is though playing great hockey right now. And they have great goaltending right now too. So if you look at the other ones, uh, the Islanders are up on the Penguins. The Penguins are in a little bit of trouble there. They don't have the best team that they've had in years. Um, Winnipeg is uh, down to nothing to St. Louis. That's a little bit of another shocker. And then we're tied 1-1 in uh, Vegas and San Jose. So, you know, we've got some good playoff games going on out there. Washington does lead Carolina one, one game to, to nil. And um, uh, let's see here. Dallas is uh, one game to nil over Nashville, which is a little surprising. Um, we are also uh, – Toronto leads uh, the series with Boston, which is another surprise. Toronto was playing some absolutely insanely good hockey at the end of the year. And, of course, we know that Calgary did beat our Colorado Avalanche. So they are up uh, one nothing. 
so. And that game today is at 8.30 p.m. on NBC Sports Network. So it's an exciting playoffs. We've got some teams that have normally been there, and we got some new teams that are in there that are really making it interesting. Can you and kind three of Canadian give us, teams. Can you kind of give us a preview for tonight's game? Who's going to be in net? Um, you know, kind of what's what's kind of the buzz going on tonight? Well, the Avalanche need to come out and play the first 10 minutes like they their life depended on it. I can tell you that right now. Um, Calgary is a completely uh, top-to-bottom really good team. I mean, they shut the Avs out, um, basically, four to nothing. Uh, the Avs have to come out and get, get goals on the board as soon as possible. So that I, that's, first, that's the biggest thing for me with them. Get, they, they need, they uh, need to get the first line going. Yeah, yeah, and, and Ratnan is uh, back uh, for the Avs after a, a game one loss, too, here. Um, he, he didn't play game one. Um, so, you know, they just they have a lot of work cut out for him. Calgary is such a good team, top to bottom, that, like, like I said, they have to start fast tonight. Like, that, that first ten minutes of the, of the first, first period is all out, put your nose to the grindstone, come out hitting people, and get some goals. And that's how the game will go. If, if, if that's how we'll know how the game's going to go. If they come out that way and not flat-footed, because there's a big, huge possibility this team might come out flat-footed. They don't have much playoff experience on this roster. Yeah. What do you What do you give the Avalanche odds of like winning this series? Um, I would say, quite frankly, I, I hate saying this, but they're at about an eight percent chance to win the series. If I was going to be like the FPI on ESPN, yeah. uh, you know, I'd give him about 8%. Yeah, especially after the way that first game went. Uh, yeah. I would I would agree with JP. I, I don't think it can be much more than 10%. But, you know, tonight yeah. is their, tonight's their chance to make a statement on the road. You know, if they can go in there and come out of there with a win, JP, you know, that's going to change everybody's mind. That will that 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 uh that percentage will jump up to about fifty percent if they win tonight. Well, yeah. I mean, you steal a game away, you know that's what's going to happen. Uh, nope. Is is hockey the two uh, two one 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 style, or is hockey the two three two home game style? Two two one one one, just the way it should be. I, I totally agree. That's that's the way it should be in a lot of sports. I don't think I would want to do baseball that way because of the of just because I don't think the sport is, is geared that way. Um, but I think for hockey and basketball, that should be how all the playoffs should yeah. be. How, they always have full energy level. What is still 2-2? Two, two? What still exists out there that's 2-3-2? Two, two? Other than baseball. So I know baseball, but... But that's only the... Baseball. Is that the L- World Series is like that? And the LCS. And the yeah. LCS. Yeah. Um, hockey, like JP was just saying, now, now NBA used to be... Two three two, but I think they went to yeah. two two one one, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah, pretty sure they did. It, so. it really makes it in a game like hockey and basketball. It makes it a lot fairer because you know if if you do happen to lose one at home, now the away team has the home field advantage where they could take the next three games and win. You know, move on in baseball. You know, that's the really tough thing about the two three two. Yeah. Right. Although yeah. you, you do what the Yankees did, like when they lost the two games um, 
at home and they say, oh, we're going to take two of three in Atlanta and come back here and win it. And they took all three in Atlanta and came home and won the thing. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it, you know, baseball is a little different. It, it's momentum. It's yeah. Next day starting pitcher is, is what really matters. Yep. So, yep. Um, what are the, is there any other games tonight, JP, that you're really looking forward to in the uh, – uh, Let me switch – let me switch back to the page here. Uh, get my schedule up. Do 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 do. Okay. So the uh, the games tonight. Uh, tonight, um, Saturday. Let's see. So one's going to be coming on fairly shortly at uh, probably eleven o'clock our time, one o'clock Eastern. Carolina Washington series is uh, is I think it's a pretty good series. And then if you go later, Boston-Toronto, that is an old-school bloody rivalry. That's another one that you really want to watch. That one's going to be on NBC at 6. So that's a game you really should pay attention to before the Avs and the Nuggets come on. Yeah, I mean, we got to – Toronto and Boston are both original six teams. So, you know, they have an old rivalry. Yeah, we definitely got a lot of sports uh, – coming on today that that is going to be pretty compelling um is there anything else you wanted to cover for the nhl before we move to the nba playoffs no let's uh let's switch over to the nba because uh you know the nuggets are in for the first time just like the Avs. so let's uh let's keep rolling along here yeah i mean nuggets tonight play uh against the spurs now the spurs of course the longtime dynasty under popovich from david robinson to the great the big fundamental to uh, to the whining and crying and, or no, I shouldn't say that, maybe just the disgruntled um, Kawhi Leonard and uh, manager Nobly, Tony Parker. I mean, quite a dynasty that the Spurs had. Most, well, if not all, those players are gone now. Uh, DeRozan and Aldridge making up the, the power uh, set of that team. Nuggets, obviously, Jokic, Djokovic, or whatever his name is, um, is... Hey, really quickly, I want to get our resident hockey expert's uh, opinion on who's going to be in the finals. Oh, okay. Uh, in the finals, okay. I would have to... I, I, I think Tampa got a little stunned by Columbus right now. It's going to be interesting to see what they do coming up. Uh, yeah. I don't know. With, with the way they're down and, and going back to Columbus, Columbus has some rabbit fans in that building. It's going to be yeah. interesting. I still like Washington to be in the finals out of the East. And then okay. if you're going to look for a team out of the West, I like Calgary, which gives us a Canadian team in the finals, which is really nice to see. There's three Canadian teams in the playoffs this year. After last year there was none or the year before there was none. Man, there's got to be a lot of pressure uh, coming down in Canada, JP. How long has it been? Since the championship, Canada. You know, it's been a super long time. I'm going to have to Google that one real quick because it's been so long, I honestly don't remember. Because the Pittsburgh Penguins had like three or four cups, um, uh, um, and it's it's, it's been a long time. Yeah, so, I mean, that's those talk about rabid fans. Those Canadians are pissed right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been uh, let's see the last time, and this is actually funny. Is the year that I graduated high school and it involved Wayne Gretzky. The Montreal Canadiens beat the Los Angeles Kings in 1993. Wow, 93—that's a long time yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah so it's it's been a long time. 
So. so 26 years since the Canadians have won an NHL Cup. Wow. It's almost as long as the Dodgers. Since they I'd be moving series. out of Canada if I lived. <laughs> they probably just can't. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, Winnipeg had some good teams. Calgary's had some good teams, and they just they never got through. The legendary Canadians, I mean, they had their run in the 70s, right? 60s and the oh, 70s. Oh, they have, what, 24 Stanley Cup victory yeah. titles or 18? Didn't we determine Holy that they're cow. the winningest team of all time or they have the most championships of any team? Uh, I think they're the winningest and the most championships, actually. Yeah. And who was I mean, the they, they just they rolled the 20s and 30s, too, not, not to mention yeah. the 60s and the 70s. Yeah. Who were the Avalanche before? Were they the Nordiques? Yes. Yes, Quebec. Quebec. How does Quebec not have a team? Well, they couldn't. Quebec is the very – I've actually been to Quebec. If you have a chance to go there, it is so beautiful, and the architecture is so old. I mean, they're French-Canadian, they're, they're French uh, so they speak French up there. So the language barrier is a little bit of a, a hassle, but the, the, the city is, is, is a small city, but it has Montreal. so much history to the city. Where's Mon- Where's Montreal? Montreal, I believe, if I'm looking on the map, is just a little bit southwest of it. Montreal is known what, for their strip club. But what pro- <laughs> what province is Montreal? Oh, in? Uh, the province of Montreal. Let me see if I can get my provinces right. Man, I'm uh, I, I haven't been to Canada in so long. It's it's, it's been a while. Really? Canada's a great country, by the way. The reason I asked was because I thought it was in Quebec, but... Yeah, it's in Quebec. It is, yeah. Yeah, it is in Quebec. So they have hockey. That's the province. Province of Quebec, so... That's interesting. They have the entire province. I guess it's just not much different than, like, Marlins that were Florida Marlins before they became the Miami Marlins. Oh, yeah, just, like, how they named their Texas Rangers. Yeah, you know, sure. they're really the Arlington Rangers. Well, I've even heard talk of going to the Colorado Broncos, you know? Oh, that would be horrible. 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 Uh, no, boo. No, Colorado Springs doesn't get to share in the, the, the mystique of the Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> I just, also, I just, I would hate to not get to have the big D, you know? Yeah. I mean, even though they don't even use, use that logo anymore, but that was. Who doesn't love the big D? <laughs> <laughs> Dallas. <laughs> There's also that song Mark Chestnut sings that song, and it's about divorce uh-huh. going through the big D. And I don't mean Dallas. Uh, all right, so uh, what do we give the Nuggets chance not to win the series, but to win this opening game? I mean, I really like their chances. I think talent-wise. And chemistry-wise, you know, I think they really match up well here with the Spurs. I, you know, I think Popovich is kind of a wild card, you know. But uh, I I think Denver takes the series, actually. I, I think they take it in six. Um, I, I think tonight they're going to come out looking a little tough and they'll probably lose. But I have them winning game two. Yeah, I, I really hope they win tonight just because – I don't want the inexperienced to hit them. Uh, I don't know how experienced the Spurs players are, but the organization is so, you know, steeped in this. And I don't think they've missed. I don't, have the Spurs missed the playoffs in a decade and a half? It's been a long time. Long, so long even if, time. 
you know, there there's just something about that mystique. So I hope the energy is super high for the Nuggets. I hope Isaiah Thomas is really on his game and can show some leadership for them because he's the guy they've got. Also, I guess Paul, uh, not Paul George, but uh, Paul Millsap. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing he's got some postseason experience. So yeah, but. Yeah, it's the first time for a lot of the players on this team to see playoff action. It is, and yeah. so I, I'm hoping very hard. To well, get a you shot. know, there's that other, you know, old saying something. I can't remember how the saying goes, but you know, about being a young team and being too kind of dumb to know what you have, right? You know, and what, right. like, what the moment. Not is. even understand. Not even realize the moment. Yeah, yeah. And then you got so the, there you, is that. Then you've got that Dan, the Dan Marino, you know, who. Oh, it's not that big of a deal that we lost. You know, we'll be back here again. It's like, oh, well, 17 years later, nope, still haven't made it. Yeah, right. You know? So, you know, you never know how many chances you're going to get. And you certainly don't, don't know how many chances you're going to get as one of the highest ranked teams. I mean, everything is set up perfect because they will not face Golden State or Houston unless it's in the, the conference finals. Couldn't ask for more than that. I mean, you can it's lose to any team, great. but yeah. those are the two teams that are the most scary. I mean, my goodness, what the Golden State did to the the Nuggets this year, we have to pray that James Harden knocks out Golden State because otherwise that could be one of the most embarrassing conference championships ever if they happen to make it that far, which that, that's still a massive Unless victory. Unless they've learned, <laughs> you know, a few things, probably have, but boy, that – that last game was almost as oh, it's snowing again. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know it was supposed to snow today. I didn't either. Jeez, it just doesn't go away. I mean, it's great. Like I said, I'm not I'm not ready for 95 degrees, but uh, boy, there's a lot of days of snow that I we've like got. Precipitation. Yeah, I like the elements. I said we could get some more rain. We never get rain, it seems like anymore. But uh, anyway, uh, so moving on to uh, let's see. So we've also got the kickoff game for. Orlando and Toronto today. I feel like, I mean, I know Toronto's team. I don't know Orlando's team very well anymore. So I would obviously be siding with, with Toronto, but I I don't really have an educated guess on this series. JP, have you seen this one at all? Oh, I'm sorry. Just uh, repeat that. I actually wanted to give my input on the nuggets real quick here. I didn't have a chance to, Um, I'm on the same page as Nate. I think they might lose tonight. I think it might be good for them to lose game one because it might light a fire under their ass. Popovich, when they won, um, when they won won their conference or with division, uh, they were playing the Spurs and they beat them at home at the Pepsi Center. And Popovich didn't get to sh- shake the coach's hand. And Popovich, we all know him in his interviews, did the best walkthrough interview on the Nuggets coach, who I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he came in and congratulated him, and, and they just they, they did a tag team press conference, basically. It was, it was so funny. I mean, I was laughing my butt off. Game where, where Popovich got kicked out in the first, like, 45 seconds or something? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. He got kicked out in, like, like 36 seconds. That's what the yeah. game was. Oh, and well, he said, I didn't get the box at all, and he, he just rolled right in his press conference. Well, let's hope that he uh, gets himself expelled from the game uh, early on tonight and uh, help the Nuggets along a little bit there, you know? That's so, yeah. Um, so I, I was going to say, like, did you have a, did you have any uh, opinion on the Toronto and the Orlando matchup coming up tonight? 
Um, Toronto and Atlanta. You know, I don't really have – I, I don't know much about Atlanta. I know Toronto is capable of – oh, yeah, Orlando. Sorry. Oh, my bad. I'm looking right at it. I don't know why I said Atlanta. I don't know much about Orlando. Uh, Toronto, though, started off this year as one of the top teams and kind of faded in the east with Milwaukee taking over the top spot. Um, they Any night, those guys can pretty much – Take it to the take you out. Um, I, I like Toronto in this one, and I, I think this this might be a, a sweep for Toronto this series. I mean, Toronto's definitely got the name power for the to Orlando, but like I was saying, I don't feel like I know Orlando's team well enough to really render judgment. But you bring up the Bucks, you know, I mean, obviously, I think probably everyone's thinking Golden State versus the Bucks is the most likely outcome for the finals. But uh, just like it's in the NCAA tournament, that's why they play the games. And it's always nice to see something different than what you're predicting. Makes me wonder, I wonder what the Nuggets' future is right now. And if I should go throw a couple of bucks on them winning the title. Actually, I've already got a bet on them winning the conference, yeah. but that one didn't didn't pan out for me. So Yeah, um, I, I don't think uh, Orlando's, you know, they've got some good young players and, you know, actually a couple of good veterans as well. Uh, DJ Augustine, one of the one that comes to mind for me, but I don't think they match up very well against Toronto. Um, they're going to have their hands full with Kawhi, and uh, that's that's going to be a quick series, real quick. I don't, I don't like, I don't like, I don't like the Orlando symbol anymore. That doesn't seem like the same one they used to have. It's not. Yeah, I don't like that at all. Ugh. But anyway, that doesn't really matter. Um, what do we think about Golden State? Is there any chance the Clippers make it a series, or do we see a five-game, you know, one home, one home game as as the Nuggets or as the as the Warriors take their foot off the gas? Well, to be honest, I I really am surprised that the Clippers were as good as they were this year, <laughs> right? You know, like after losing all their big players over the last couple of years, you know, Blake Griffin and uh, Chris Paul, and you know, they're pretty much down to nobody. And, yeah, it feels that way. Yeah, and so for them to make the playoffs, I think is kind of a win, and I think they probably feel that same way. And you know, that doesn't necessarily make for a good run in the playoffs. <laughs> you kind of settle on what you you know the great accomplishment that you just had, and then you you know you tend to lose from there if you if that's your mentality, you know. But and, you know, who knows? Crazier things that happen, right? But. uh Ooh, good push. Well, and you've got to figure that, you know, you're going up against the Warriors, so you're just going to throw it all out there, right? You're going to be yeah, like, hey, yeah. we have nothing to lose. If we can somehow sneak a game one victory, and that's your most likely chance of an upset is that game one. Everyone's a little overhyped. Everyone's a little bit overexcited. And that's yeah. your best chance to beat a veteran team is that first game when they may not be quite focused all the way. Yeah. So uh, I'll be definitely rooting for that tonight. That'd be a, that'd be a great uh, – a great change. Hey, any you know any extra game that the Clippers can make them play is going to help everybody else. So. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I hate saying it, but maybe a uh, maybe a minor ankle uh, twist for uh, Steph Curry or a, uh, a migraine headache for Kevin Durant. Maybe a little something, just a little something there to help out. You know, maybe bring uh, KD is oranges at halftime. <laughs> No, uh, I, sh- oh, I can't mention any any drug names, but I was going to say you know, I'll take a biologic and uh, and uh, give them the reverse. So. 
Um, I'm not thinking of. I, I can't think of any other series that really stand out. I mean, there's Houston versus Utah. I mean, Houston's obviously a huge. A Utah's. Huge, but Utah's Utah, sneaky good. They're feisty, right? They're yeah. like kind of that that team that they're not afraid of who they're playing. They're you know they're they're kind of they fire about them, you know, as a team. Are you going through the lunch line? I know. What are all those noises? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No, I just had a sip of my Gatorade. Oh, okay. well, I, I don't. It is crazy, dude. I mean, it's something you're doing. Like, I mean, from what you're telling, it's just the pen and the Gatorade. So I'm not sure why it sounds so loud. But holy cow, it sounds like you're <laughs> in the kitchen, like banging things around and cooking up a meal. And, no, I'm literally just sitting on my office chair. <laughs> yeah, it sounded like the Red Sea might be partying. Yeah. Wow. I wonder what it is. Hey, if I had that ability, we'd be all we'd be on an island somewhere. <laughs> are you uh, just out of curiosity? Are you using like are you using the handheld? Are you using a speakerphone or Bluetooth or? Uh, I'm just using speakerphone, but my hands aren't even on the table on my desk. <laughs> That's why. Okay, that makes more sense then. Uh, yeah, speakerphone is going to pick up all the stuff that happens in the background. I learned that lesson when I was uh, at my at my job. I do a lot of conference calls, and man. If you're trying to take notes or do something while you're on the phone, they can hear every single keyboard click on a conference call. Even if you don't really hear it in like feel like a normal sound, you don't feel like you really hear the key taps that much. Uh, they, every single one of them can be heard in like an echo on a conference call. So it must just be the way the microphones work. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, I've 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 learned I have to mute my line every time I start taking notes from a client because otherwise it's just like what is that bah, 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 bah. you know it's yeah. like oh I'm trying to type soft I want to buy one of those uh, I don't know if you've seen them but the those keyboards that roll out like they're like they're not cloth but they're soft material and then you yeah you know, like, like what is that noise <laughs> I'm telling you I've got to- there's there's no noise coming from my end, man. I'm literally sitting still. Boy, it sounded like you were in a wind tunnel and a rancor was chasing you. It's just so funny. <laughs> I don't, because we're not there, we don't have any idea what's causing the noise. That's what, that's what's I, I mean, I, I heard a plane fly over, but it was really soft. Well, I guess that could have been it. I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> So then another another big matchup we got is Oklahoma City versus Portland. Now, Portland, like, we didn't know who was going to be in what position until, like, the end of the last, like, three games. They had a chance to oust the Nuggets for that two seed. Yeah, and word is they didn't want to because they wanted to play Utah for some reason. They felt they matched up well against them or something like that. Um, Wait. I'm sorry, not Utah, um, OKC. Yeah. Because um, Portland, yeah, because Portland, like, Portland even, like, pulled all their players. I think they ended up still winning or something, but, like, they had all their, like, scrubs in there. It was, yeah. it was a, a weird finish. So, he, is Houston the four seed then? Oh, I don't even know how to look. Um, ah, I believe they, they are. They have a playoff bracket. Wow. They really fell off, although they finished there it the is. season really strong. Oh, so, they're going to be scary. Start stupid but... audio here. Yeah, um, I didn't realize they had dropped down to that low of a seed. They must have had a real rough first half. So the top, so the seeds go like this. So uh, in the East, it's Milwaukee, Toronto, 76ers, Celtics, Pacers, the Nets, believe it or not, 
uh, Orlando Magic and the Detroit Pistons hmm. are all in the playoffs. In the Western Conference, it goes Warriors, the Nuggets, the Trailblazers, the Houston Rockets. So the Rockets actually ended up fourth. Yep. They were tied with uh, Houston or uh, we Portland. Saying, yeah. And then uh, Utah, Thunder, Spurs, and Clippers. And speaking of the Oklahoma City Thunder, I saw a real interesting – I don't know if it was an article or it was a player vote or something about who's the most overrated player in NBA, and they put Russell Westbrook, this guy who's averaging a triple-double, you know, all this crazy thing. And I think what they're saying is that he does all that because they've, they've been forced to construct the team just around what he wants as a diva. And yes, he's doing great. He's with the probably production. the one that puts butts in the seats, though. Well, I I think that's how they've geared it. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, to keep people excited here, we've got to make him an, an Oscar Robinson type star. Yep. But it's like maybe if he was playing on a better team, it wouldn't. He wouldn't have those opportunities. You know, like well, do they would. Do they force the ball to him? Do they do they force the pass to him so he can pass it back to get an assist? You know what I mean? Like. Do they yeah, do but, they lessen the effectiveness of their team? I don't know because look at his numbers when Harden and KD were there. You mm-hmm. know he didn't have the triple doubles that he was having, mm-hmm. but he's still you know man he still scored you know twenty plus points you know a ton of assists always got a lot of rebounds for you know for a guard you know he always has put up big numbers and those were you know two pretty big names that he had to share the court with so right. You know, Harden really kind of blossomed after he left there, but he was still a very good player at the time, yeah. you know. And, then, wow. you know, Serge Ibaka, that was a good team. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't see a whole big difference in his stats from from then until now. But I don't know. You'd have to look at him, you know. And, yeah, actually, I'm, I'm going to do that because I, I don't know the answer to that either. I, uh, I would imagine. Well, I'll tell you what, so. If you look at it, whoever whoever called him the uh, most overrated player in the NBA is a complete idiot. Uh, he is not the most overrated player in the NBA. This year, that would have been LeBron James. Uh, what the? Hello? Yeah, yeah we're, we're listening. Yep. Oh, man. Did, did, oh, I, I, I lost JP or, or we got kicked off. I'm not sure which. Um I think we lost JP for whatever reason. Well, um, it still shows him connected, so um, who knows? Well, I, I hope we're still on. Uh, we'll just pretend that we are. Yeah. So looking at what, uh, Westbrook, I just wanted to kind of go check out his stats real quick just to see how – if there's a Oklahoma. And, of course, ESPN has to have some sort of annoying media on every single page that you click on. Uh, let's see. So points per game – so he used to be in the low twenties. Now yeah, he's that's where his biggest uptick. And probably he's, actually back, he's actually back to that uh, now. Oh, now I can hear JP again. Can you hear us, JP? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm sorry, guys. Somehow another call came through and my phone picked it up. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Um, let's see. So so the points the points they went up for a while, but then they're back down. So that hasn't changed a huge amount. Um, assists the assists is the big change. He went from lower single digits to consistent 10 uh, over the last four years since KD and and 
before then Harden were gone. Yeah. Uh, rebound wise, same thing. Rebounds, he was more of a four to five guy. Now he's a ten. Assists, he was a five to a seven guy. Now he's a okay, ten. Okay. So his big, his big change was in those two categories. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. So, oh, so I think. I, so I mean, I guess you know, but that does beg the question: Does him becoming the more of the all-around focus of the team make them a less uh, daunting opponent? Right. And I, I don't know if they do or not. I'm just. But that's that, that's what I wonder if that if that has that kind of effect. Well, it's funny because you see, you know, you see a couple of schools of thought there when you go to play a team like Oklahoma City and they've got one superstar. Mm-hmm. You know, some coaches are of the mindset that, oh, let's just let him have his. You know, I mean, how much can he do? You know, fifty points, sixty points. I mean, they're yeah. going to have to score a hundred and five to beat us. So, you know, let him have his. We shut everybody else down. You know, you let him have his game. Then the other school of thought is, hey, we're going to put some extra resources into this guy mm-hmm. and slow him down because he's what fuels the, you know, the rocket ship, right? Uh, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna put a double team on him, you know, and any time he gets inside the paint, we're even going to throw a third guy over there. Right. You know, or, you know, or whatever the strategy. So, you know, I think there's a couple of different ways to go about it. I think you can do a mix and a match of those two strategies, you know, throughout the game. But um, I think that's going to have to be the approach that they take when they play Oklahoma City. I mean, because Oklahoma City only ever made that one final, right? And they lost to the Heat, right? Yeah. So I, that, that's the only one I remember because I, I kind of get the feeling that Westbrook could easily retire with the exact same kind of a send-off that Dirk Nowitzki is getting this year, which is, hey, you've been great for us. The city loves you to death, but you really don't have a lot of hardware to show for it. In fact, I think it was almost a fluke that one year that the the Mavericks got that title. It seemed like a shock. Like, like, oh, wow, the Mavericks won, (laughs) you know? And so, you know, you just kind of – I feel bad for those players because I feel like it really weighs down. If you don't ever have a title, you know, which explains why KD went to the Warriors. He was like, we made the finals finally after all these years that we were supposed yep. to be this great team, mm-hmm. and then we didn't even win it. And it's like, I don't want to retire without a title, man. You know, yeah. I don't know. It's I I hear you. Yeah, it's hard to hard to be a player without hardware. We know that for baseball players, Westbrook right? Westbrook seems to be just fine with it. What's that? Westbrook seems to be just fine with it. I think so. Yeah, I think he's more about the personal. He's accolades. making big dough, and uh, yep. yeah, he's getting a lot of reward, uh, you know, rewards and accolades, like you said. So it's got to be something working out for him because my goodness, the guy's uh, living in Oklahoma City. So uh, you know, I would think that there's got to be something, something about it that you must love. Hey, to live in that city. You know so. what? And I'll make a comment on JP's LeBron <laughs> comment. Why didn't LeBron come to Denver, dude? Yeah. Can you imagine LeBron on, he, on the Nuggets? That would have been awesome, but he, he has two. He wants to be in, in Hollywood so much right now. One of his first uh, shows he produced just uh, aired two weeks ago. Um, he wants to be in Hollywood so much right now to set up the rest of his life and be that billion-dollar athlete. He's not really focusing on basketball. And the one thing that a lot of the people, all the, they have their, they have their kid, the youth there, and they had a lot of players on one-year contracts. They're all going to be gone. The problem is, is they looked at the youth of this team, and the Lakers are a complete disaster right now. Um, the youth never got better with LeBron being around, being, being around LeBron. They all stayed kind of the same. 
And that's the thing that is going to kill the Lakers right now because they have no equity. They have to get a draft pick and get one of the top four players. That's a good story. We didn't really talk about Magic Johnson. Yeah, you know, the Lakers thing, I just think it's more than anything else. They thought signing LeBron, they would either get, they would either convince Paul George or KD to come with him. Yep, or they'd they were sure make a it. trade. And I think that these other players looked at Lonzo Ball and his dad, and they said, I got to deal with that and got to deal with LeBron being the superstar. Yeah. I'm suddenly a third fiddle. I don't want to be that when I'm a first fiddle right now or a second fiddle. Yeah. I think that's what happened. But and that's, I don't know. Mark, you hit it on the head, I think. Um, and LeVar Ball now is opening up his mouth again, saying that LiAngelo <laughs> is better than Zion Williamson. In no right. world is that even humanly possible. Nor will anyone give it five seconds of thought. That's the problem, yeah. Right. Uh, LeVar is becoming irrelevant, and he knows it, and it's bothering him. Yeah. Because he had his five minutes well, of fame for doing nothing, you know? Yep. Yeah, like and, Kylie, and they folded, they folded the big baller brand, which he, 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 he set his business model up backwards, thinking people were going to come to him instead of him developing a product for people to buy. And it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, it's just amazing what some people think are going to happen. Yeah. All right, no more no more airtime for Lovar. He doesn't deserve any. He, like I yeah, said, he's he Kylie, but but what should have happened, what, same thing that should have happened to her, epic failure, because they didn't do anything and don't have any talent. So um, we've got to jump into baseball here before we run out of time. I mean, we got the season is, is finally, you know, rounding into shape, getting into full swing. Uh, just to run over the divisions real quick in terms of games, Tampa Bay looking great. Yeah. Boy, are they looking good. Yeah. The pitching looks the, solid. Unbelievable, man. I, I – <clears throat> Watch. I watched a couple of games when they were playing Colorado this past week, and the arms, the arm talent that Tampa has yeah. is, and they have a couple of overperformers early on uh, in their lineup. You know uh, that Yandy Diaz is always very well. Man, he's playing fantastic, and uh, you know Tommy Pham's off to a good start and. Uh, they just have a really good team, and that manager is innovative, and you know they continue to use the opener and have success with that. You know, I, I boy, I just think that uh, that's a really, really smart team. The way that they've handled their business there in Tampa, and they are gonna—they're uh, gonna make the playoffs. I don't know if it's gonna be a division win with, but man, with all the injuries the Yankees are having <laughs> and the problems that the Red Sox are having. Uh, man, they're running away with it right now. I mean, the Red Sox have pulled themselves back into the middle of the division. Both they and the Yankees are at, well, five, one's five and eight, one's five and nine. Yeah. But uh, the Yankees have an excuse. Half their team is hurt. The Red Sox don't have that excuse. They're just playing like garbage, and that bullpen is terrible. Yeah. Boston, or I mean, for Tampa, uh, you know, Snell obviously looking like a Cy Young. Yeah. Glass now, who I've got high hopes for as one of my fantasy players, dude, he looked <laughs> masterful in that last game. Yeah. Now, Yarbrough I, looks amazing. I'm not sure how many, how good of the opponents Glassnow was facing in that last game. Yeah. I don't know if it might have been the Orioles or something. And there is the downside of the Devil Rays are never going to let their pitchers go real deep into these games. You know, like 85 pitches, three times through the lineup. That's kind of where they, they can't people. Except Snell. I, 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 yeah, but I mean, how much are they allowing Snell to go past that? Has he gone large pitch count so far? 
Well, I don't, you know, that's a good question. I'm not sure. He's, but I'm, I'm pretty sure they've treated him, you know, like a hundred, more like a hundred pitch count. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I think it's more, more traditional. That, that thing we talked about with the uh, three times through the lineup yes. limit that, the, yeah. that they put on the players. But I think they're willing to break that rule with him is what I'm saying. Yeah. I think they probably should. Yeah. 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 Uh, Central division, nothing real crazy going on other than the pirates or excuse me, the pirates, the tigers playing a lot better than you would suspect. Uh, are the Twins still leading the division? No, the Indians oh. are ahead. Okay. Uh, twins are a half a game back of both the, the Tigers and the Indians. Okay. So we got a really bunched up close division right yeah. there. Uh, White Sox are starting to fall a little bit. Uh, Kansas City, after a 2-0 and start, is uh, had one other win. It's a bad team. It is a bad team. We yeah. kind of knew it was going to be a bad team. Billy Hamilton just sprained his MCL. They say it's a really minor sprain, but yeah. it is a sprain. Uh, so we'll see what happens going forward with that team, but uh, I think Kansas City is is going to be down there for a while while they soft stock up. Yeah, I then, think them Baltimore will be kind of battling the basement there. Yeah, Baltimore I feel real bad for because boy they look bad and Chris Davis is is he still hitless? Except when they play the Yankees, right? Yeah, I think he's still hitless. Boy, that's that's a long time to go hitless in the, in the major league. They're going to have to release him, I think. At some point. Uh, well, yeah, they don't have anybody else to put in, so might as well just uh, keep him. I guess. Uh, in the West, Seattle is still blazing hot. They are just hottest boy. team in baseball, probably, right? Yeah. Except for maybe the Phillies. Yeah, a lot of runs, a huge run differential of 38, um, which is fantastic this early in the year. Uh, just gangbusters. I mean, they're pitching well. The hitting is fantastic. Yeah, that outfield is stunning. Yeah. Well, the Dodgers are actually in second place. So, oh. um, but uh, Houston is not looking great. Not looking bad. I mean, they, they're on a seven-game win streak. So, oh, you know, got to put it into perspective. Groove, yeah. But they were two and five before that. So yeah. it's like you know that's yeah there, there were chinks in the armor. Yeah, there were. Yep. Oakland looking almost exactly the same as. As the Astros, they're also on a winning streak. Yeah. Oakland, I think we we thought they'd be good. Chapman's looking great. Olsen's coming back soon. Chris Davis doing his Davis thing. is crushing the homers. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of their you – know, they got Maneda uh, and – Manaya uh, and I can't remember the other two pitchers that they have. Fires, I think, is one of them. Oh, Fears. Is, it's Fires? I thought it was Fears. It could be. Maybe it is Fires. Yeah. Um, yeah, he he went over there, and he's having a nice a nice year. Yep. And then who's the guy that they brought up and then sent down and brought up and sent down the last couple of years? Kevin something? I don't know, but they have Brett Anderson, who's off to a great start. Oh, they got him back. Yeah. 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 Boy, just boy, the all-value team. And, boy, oh, they get a lot of value out of that, yeah, out of that they team. they do. They grind out the most <clears throat> out of their guys. So. But uh, Seattle is definitely the class of the league right now with their 13-3 and record. That's, that's what are the, What's the Angels record? Uh, the Angels are 7-7. Seven and seven. Okay. The, they're not bad. No, they're just that. that I, eighty-one and eighty-one wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, it's not going to win that division. No, probably not going to get you a wild card. But yeah. uh, and Texas is about the same. So. Yeah, we expected them to be bad, though. Yeah, I mean at least they're close to five hundred. So give them credit for that. Uh, in the National League East, we got a good division going, and you know what? I think what we predicted early looks like it may be true which is these teams are going to beat up on each other a yeah. lot. I mean, you've got the Mets at 9 and 4, you got the Phillies at 8 and 4, you got the Braves at 7 and 6, you got the Nationals at 6 and 6. Yep. I think and and you know you always you usually not always usually you start your division or start your season 
with interdivision yep. games yep. or in in intra intra division yep. games. And so I, I think we're, what we were talking about, they're beating up on each other, mm-hmm. and it's going to happen a lot. You got a lot of good pitching, a lot of good hitting, and it's just going to bounce back and forth, and and should be a fun race all year long. Yeah, that's I mean that's a big disadvantage for them, you know, because you know that competition within the division, like you said, it just physically takes a toll. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, whoever comes out of that division will be battle tested, you know, and that's going to be a good thing for the playoffs because when well, you know, the, the Mets are it. getting finally what you kind of expected them to get the last three to four years, which is, yeah, they're healthy. Right. So DeGrom and so it's in, I mean, Syndergaard's ERA is not good, but he's pitching healthy they're winning. deep and, you know, Matt's pitching well and Z- Wheeler's not pitching well, but he's healthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of the, the thing. They're all healthy. Yeah. He's trending in the right direction. So getting them the innings they need, which yeah. is, that's the biggest problem they have. They would lose some guys for a significant time and yep. you're losing all those innings. I, I think they made some savvy off season moves. Um, you know, Great they really sit a lot. They solidified the back end of the bullpen by that, with that trade, bringing in a, Edwin Diaz. Yeah. You know, they still have a really, you know, now they, everyone moves down a notch basically from ninth to eighth, eighth to seventh. And so Always a plus. Yeah. You know, and so I think they have some good back end talent on that bullpen. That's going to be able to hold some leads that they had a lot of trouble with last year, sure. you know, where DeGrom or Syndergaard or whoever would go out of the game with the lead, but then the bullpen couldn't hold it down. Uh, they brought in a couple of veterans, you know, Robinson Cano, big move, Wilson Ramos, big move. Uh, Jay Bruce. Jay Bruce, yeah. So uh, I, I'm impressed what they've done. It's been kind of sneaky, actually, and mm-hmm. they got some guys at some value, and uh, I think they're going to be really successful this year. I think that they just show that they they were very close. They were on that edge, and they yeah. got in. You know, sometimes a couple it's a, savvy you just need moves. to bring in a, a few things just to kind of solidify yep. and get you depth. I mean, the Dodgers, who have been good for a couple of years, they talk about that more than anything else, especially over the last two years. They haven't signed big-name free agents. I mean, I guess you could say Pollock maybe was a bigger free agent, but they haven't gone after the big-name free agents really hard. Yeah. And they, and their president keeps they saying – Manny Machado, they made a trade for him. Right. But, I mean, they haven't signed any, any big people. And they let, no. him, they let him go after that after the trade. Oh, I see. And sure, sure. Free agent-wise. Yeah, yeah, they talk about how they just are going for depth all the time. Yep. And I, yeah, I think there's something to see. Like, depth is what matters, at least in terms of getting you deep into the playoffs or getting you into the playoffs is that you don't ever have those stretches where you're playing with scrubs from the minors, you know, um, in the central, uh, brewers looking great. Um, they're, I mean, they're only, they're nine and five. So I mean, it's good, not great, but they look like a real good team again. Yes, they do look real strong, much more than I'll personally say, I I will admit that I did not think they were going to have a good year and uh, very impressed by them. St. Louis eight and five. So they're right there with them. No shock there. Pirates are seven and five, so they're just a little bit behind them. And then beautifully, the Cubs are actually in fourth place. Um, the record isn't terrible. Though they've been having a big time run scoring problem going on and pitching problem. Yeah. Well, the pitching's been terrible too. Yeah. yeah. I just was shocked how few runs they were scoring compared to who I expect them to. Like the Rockies. Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Come on, Chris Bryant, kick that stuff up. Uh, then we got Cincinnati, who's a they're now up to three and or four and eight, so that's a nice change for them. They, they started won. out one and seven or yeah, something. Yeah, they've so. won two in a row, three in a row, three in a row. Yeah. So, uh, wow, that's a you know the entire division is on a winning streak. That you don't see that very often. Well, I'm sorry, not a streak, but they've all been they 
They've all at least won their last game. Uh, in the West, look who's at top of the division, the San Diego Padres, Padres baby. Yeah. They are for real. Uh, be worried about this team. They have got what they need. They've, the pitching has matured, and the lineup with Machado and Tatis entering have given it a, a much-needed shot or injection of power and speed, mm-hmm. and it is changing the dynamic of that team. Yep. Now, let's not discount. They get to play the Diamondbacks, the Giants, and the Rockies, much like the Dodgers. It's a big reason for both of these teams scoring a lot of runs early. Um, unfortunately for the Dodgers, though, it looked like St. Louis exposed something, and I don't know what it was because the Dodgers were just going gangbusters on offense. Mm-hmm. They went to St. Louis. They lost four to two, four to nothing, something to nothing, and two to one or something they like got that. Swept in a four-game four-game series, series sweep Yikes. by the Cardinals, and they lost the two, and they lost two more games since. Or I'm sorry, they lost last night as well. They lost five oh, in a row. Um, you know, I mean, it's baseball. I mean, things happen like that. You get streaks. I mean, the Rockies are on a seven-game losing streak. The Rockies are at a negative 33 run differential going on. Well, I mean, what do you think's going on? And JP, well, I mean, do you I, think? I mean, I don't, JP, if you've, I don't know if you've been watching the Rockies at all. Does, has anything stood out to you? You know, I really haven't watched the Rockies that much. I just know, I mean, that run differential, it's not the highest in baseball right now. The Orioles have that at 34. But um, they're just falling apart in games. I mean, they can't do anything, it seems like. And, I mean, their last 10, they're 1-9. And they've lost seven straight. I just, I can't figure this team out. I mean, when I go to lunch or whatever, they'll have the replays of the games on and I'll watch what I can. But I, I can't figure this team out from top to bottom yet. Well, I think I might have talked about it last week, but the problem, guys, is they are striking out at a just incredible clip, you know, and it, it's hard to win games with, when you're striking out all the time. Right. You know, you can't get on base if you're, you know, swinging and missing. So, you know, they really need to really, like, grind out some at-bats. I think this Daniel Murphy injury is bigger than people think because mm-hmm. he was the kind of guy that was, they kind of brought in to do that specifically was he was, you know, he could always run the count to two, two, three, two, follow some pitches off, you know, and make that pitcher work. Yes. And that's how you kind of, you know, that's the Rockies can pull themselves out of this. They have the team to do it and the talent, but that's how you grind out when you aren't playing well, you know, is you've got to work at bats and they're just up there free swinging, thinking they're going to change the dynamic of the game with one swing. It's, yeah, yeah, but everybody's swinging and missing, so you're yeah. changing the dynamic of the game because you can't make contact. So I mean, is it? I don't know who their hitting coach was last year, and if it's the same as this year, but this seems to be a, a, a pronounced two-year problem now, or into the second season problem. But I think it may be a three-season problem. I think it was two years ago we had the same issue coming up. Yeah, it's just you look at that lineup and it's like, yeah, that should be one of the frick nastiest lineups in the major. I mean, how league. do you have Story, Arenado, and Blackman? Uh, Blackman, and you don't score a run? Yeah. One run? I mean, guy, wow. 0 5 at Coors Field. I know. 0 5 at Coors. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you got John Gray. Actually pitching well yeah, that's for the first the, time. Yeah, in a long time. he's he can't actually, get a win. Yeah, he's pitched pretty well. Yeah. 
I don't know. It's uh, it, it it's concerning, I'd say, to say the least. Um, you know what, guys? I'd like to pivot unless you have something specific. I'd like to just run over fantasy baseball real quick. Um, we're down to about 10 minutes here. Okay. Um, yeah. So I just thought we would just run through the teams about the top 10 and just see if there's anything that's really shocking for you about any of these positions. So at catcher, um, <laughs> wow, I don't, I, I don't think I knew this happened. Yasmani Grandal is number one at catcher. Wow, he just likes to make us eat our words, doesn't he? Uh, Gary Sanchez, number two, <laughs> going on the IL. Wilson Contreras at number three. Josh Fegley at four. That's kind of a shock. And uh, Austin Barnes at five. So maybe not the list of names we were expecting to see in a top five catcher. Uh, first base, Bellinger. I mean, the guy's got 100 points already. 112, 117, yeah. I should say. Only batting 417 with eight homers and 21 RBI. So, Jeez. average season he's got going. I need to get that guy's baseball card. Yeah. Uh, Reese Hoskins at two. Trey Mancini at three. Right? But the funny thing is both Royce Hoskins and Trey Mancini technically are outfielders this year. Um, Pete Alonso that you've got on your team is a number four. Uh, Carlos Santana at five. Daniel Vogelbach at six. I just saw an article about making sure you pick him up. Of course, in our league, he was, you know, he was picked up. Uh, I also mentioned that a couple of spots down there, you see um, Mitch Moreland is available for Boston, and he actually is uh, in the top 10 in scores in our league. Mm-hmm. So if he's available in a team, in a league, you know, uh, you might pick him up if you're having trouble filling that corner infield or first base slot. Yep. Um, or uh, DH even. Or, yeah, exactly. Uh, second base, a little more normal here. Uh, Jose Altuve at number one, looking back like his old self, batting 321 with six stingers already. Uh, Whit Merrifield batting 328 with his five steals. D. Gordon playing real well, batting 357, which is fantastic yep. with seven steals on the year. My boy Enrique Hernandez, Kiki. Uh, no one expected this, but he's playing. He's keeping the train rolling. He's playing great this week. Colton Wong is still holding on, and uh, Yohan Mankata uh, also um, making a nice jump forward for the White Sox. At third base, Anthony Rendon is number one. Mm-hmm. Michael Franco has fallen to second. Uh, still playing well, but his batting average has is, is, is plummeted since last week. Uh, again, there's Yohan Mankata qualifying at two positions. Matt Chapman for Oakland having a nice breakthrough at 302 average and four dingers. Yandy Diaz, you mentioned earlier, having a nice little year at 283 with three dingers. And uh, I don't know how to say his name correctly. Is it Ryan Healy or Rion Healy? Ryan. It's Ryan. Okay. And then Tim Beckham uh, coming out after that, which uh, has had in one of those, one of three or four nice breakout players for the Marlin, uh, Mariners so far this year. Uh, at shortstop, number one is Danby Swanson, the guy that you refused to start. Uh, De- Paul DeJong at shortstop for St. Louis. Uh, Alberto Mondesi, number three. Maybe he is worth the hype. Uh, sticking with Seaman at number four. And uh, Tim Anderson of the White Sox at number five. Yeah. So a nice list there of players that you might not expect. I got a, Sounds like I got an infielder in, <laughs> in every slot there. You do. Well, you had a good infield. Uh, outfield, we'll go 10 deep on outfield. Cody Bellinger qualifies there, but he's more of a first base. Well, actually, I'm, I'm sorry, he plays outfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, those those top three first basemen all play the outfield now, so it's kind of funny. Uh, Cody Bellinger at first, Christian Yelich at second overall, having just a phenomenal MVP follow-up year. Mike Trout doing what Mike Trout does, batting over 400. Austin Meadows 
number four, Austin Meadows. Well, that's probably why Tampa Bay's got some wins, right? Got a good pitching yep. meshed with him. Reese Hoskins also at first base. Uh, Domingo Santana, Seattle. This is a guy I got who I'm just loving. He is doing everything. I mean, just walks, hits, RBIs, runs, home runs, and a high batting average. Don't know if the hype is, is finally coming around, but I'm certainly hoping. Whit Merrifield from second base is also on this list here. Then we go to Trey Mancini, who is kind of a little shunk. Anyway, from Baltimore be doing anything. Yeah. Uh, Alex Gordon having a resurgence in KC, looking mm. like the Alex Gordon of old. Uh, batting 333 with six dingers on the year. So, oh, I'm sorry, that's Mancini. Batting 390 with three homers. 390 Ooh, for 390. Alex Gordon. Yeah. Uh, then there's D. Gordon, again, second base qualifier. And we'll round out with Michael Conforto, J.D. Martinez, Tommy Pham, and then Bryce Harper. So uh, Harper not doing poorly at all, batting 325 with four home runs. Only nine RBIs. That's probably a little bit of a concern, yeah. but I think they have him. JP, do you know, where does he bat in the batting order? Is he second? Hoskins? No, uh, Bryce. Oh, Bryce, he bats third. He bats third. Well, he should have more yeah. opportunities than for uh, for RBIs, so hopefully that'll pick up a little bit. And then we've also got John Peterson, Malik Smith, Lorenzo Kane, and Ronald Acuna, kind of your top 20-ish or so outfielders. As for pitching... Best starting pitchers, number one, believe it or not, is Trevor, or excuse me, Tyler Glasnow. Number two is Matt Shoemaker. Those are the top two pitchers in baseball. So, uh, obviously, wow. pitching is not exactly going according to plan so far. Um, Marco Gonzalez is number three. Blake Snell, number four, our Cy Young winner last year. Then a reliever, Brad Keller. And I guess he must, he must be starting. Yeah, he is. He's got four starts. Jacob DeGrom, who uh, started out on fire, and uh, boy, that last game really, really tanked his stats, man. Wow. Um, then you're Brett Anderson, who's actually a free agent in our league, so keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie Morton. Uh, just say there's an injury against Brett Anderson. Uh, it looks like it's minor. Uh, Charlie Morton, Tampa Bay. Luis Castillo, Cincinnati. That sleeper pick, looking like he's coming through. Got Cole Hamels. Zach Elfin, Philadelphia. Matthew Boyd from Detroit, uh, and then Hinjun Ryu now on the DL, and we'll finish that out with your boy Masahiro Tanaka having a real nice start to the season. So uh, I would say overall, I think shortstop looks a little surprising. Uh, Catcher looks a little surprising, and pitching looks a little surprising. Yeah, I would agree. But uh, we are only in week two, so uh, (laughs) there's plenty of – chaos it's fun to speculate you know and and see what's going on and see how right and wrong we've been so far about absolutely and it's always fun to just uh just to watch how the season begins to develop because it is such a marathon and it's so fun in the beginning to see how much things fluctuate as as things begin to kind of get in in order so i agree uh, jp we are down to 45 seconds anything you want to share with the listeners before we head on out for today no, man, just uh, take a seat on the couch, turn on the Masters, and enjoy. You know, watch a little Masters, watch a little Nuggets, watch a little Avalanche, watch a little, watch a little Dodgers and Rockies, you know? Uh, or if you're, if you're Nate, watch a little Twins. Uh, it'll be a nice little uh, afternoon of sports. Uh, do enjoy the snow out here in Denver if you are a cold-weather fan. And uh, please also remember, we will be posting uh, a show uh, episode of the Alien Offensive reviewing the new Star Wars trailer and uh, thoughts on the upcoming 
so much for tuning in this weekend, everyone, and have a great rest of your week. Offensive out.